and welcome. My name is Kate Acton and I am joined with Nancy McLean and we thought we would start this first episode just giving you a little background on ourselves and how we've kind of come to this point um, and how we're involved in horses. So for me personally I grew up on the west coast of Ireland in Connemara so my first introduction to horses would have been when I was quite young and just starting in um, pony club and riding lessons. And we did do a mixture of lessons in the arena and trekking, which for anyone who's been to Connemara, they know it has this incredibly beautiful, rugged coastal terrain. So when we would go out trekking, it was amazing. You would just ride up these rocky bog laden hills but when you would get to the top you have this view of the ocean and the coast so definitely a lucky childhood being able to grow up in that area and to be surrounded by Connemara ponies which I obviously now have a soft spot for but that was definitely where my confidence in horses was really built and learning how to be an adept rider in different situations but fast forwarding a few years, I began studying a degree in veterinary nursing in an institute that is called Athlone Institute of Technology, which is an amazing place to study in Ireland. And this is when I first started to see horses in a more clinical setting, which is a totally different ballgame. Certainly compared to the ponies that I was used to growing up with, I was now seeing, you know, injured thoroughbreds coming in that could move at incredible speeds at the drop of a hat if they were scared. So it took a little bit of getting used to. But during this time that I was studying, this really planted the idea that I would love to eventually teach. And I really had an interest in learning right from the get go when I was doing my degree. So I realized I needed a little bit more experience first. And that is when I packed my bags and moved to Scotland, where I worked in some great veterinary practices just on the outskirts of Edinburgh. And I worked there for a little while before applying to do my master's in equine science, and that is through the University of Edinburgh. Um, I don't know as well if you felt this way too, Nancy, but the way the master's worked, so we did an online part-time master's. And that meant that it was broken down over three years and you studied various modules. And I worked alongside doing that. And I think I was definitely a little naive about how much work and planning and dedication goes into it, certainly in that first year. So as it progressed, um, it was a nice little wake up call, but it was just one of those courses that you become so enthralled with that you really do want to dive further into researching your assessments and into learning more around the modules that they are teaching. So it really was an incredible experience. And coming to the end of my final year where we submit our dissertations, that was where it all kind of came into place and I landed my dream job and um, where I now lecture in veterinary nursing. So. It's been an incredible journey. Definitely the building blocks have lined up quite nicely. <laughs> but towards the end of that year before graduation, 
and um, the University of Edinburgh gave us an opportunity to be a peer tutor. So this would be where we would come back and do sessions for the current master's students and try and just give them some hints and tips on how to be successful in the course. And that is where I got to meet the lovely Nancy, who I will introduce you to. And Nancy can give us a little bit of a background for your love of horses. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here and I'm glad you're listening in. I'm Nancy McLean and I started in horses in 1997. I started on thoroughbred racing as a groom and uh, previous to that I worked at the St. Louis Zoo and uh, worked with invertebrates and herpetarium animals. So it was, I went kind of like from snails to racehorses. And there's a story in there. I know, I just have to find it. I went from the slowest land animal to one of the fastest. <laughs> and um, I quickly just fell in love with the, the thoroughbreds and I became an exercise rider. And then I took my test to be an assistant trainer and passed that. And, you know, I just kept, progressing I mean so often is what happens when you get into horses your next thing is you buy a truck and then you buy a trailer and then you buy a farm and so that's exactly <laughs> what happened to me I just totally got immersed by it and uh, we mo moved on our farm in 2007 and uh, we grow hay and we have some crops we sometimes give the hay fields a rest and we'll plant beans or corn and to replenish the soil. And then uh, we also have the thoroughbreds that race for us can come home and get a little R&R or relaxation and uh, get some time off. And then we have one little feisty Welsh pony that has become one of my favorites. So she's always challenging me. And uh, so that's what we do. Well, um, once we had the farm and all that, uh, something pulled at me to go back to school, and uh, I completed my bachelor's at the University of Illinois and in 2013, and then 2016, I found the Edinburgh program. They had done a worldwide um, MOOC of equine nutrition that I joined in, and I just loved it so much that I inquired about their master's program and um, ended up joining in on that and they accepted me which I was amazed at and um, you know I was kind of like Kate I didn't realize all the time and all the reading and I had to get my brain in line with comprehending all the research and that's another reason we're here is to be able to break these research papers down and get what science is showing about the management and the um, care of the horses so uh, as well as training too and so we graduated in 2019 and then Kate and I hooked up in the peer tutor program so it's been really an experience that I would redo in a heartbeat. So, um, and that's the University of Edinburgh Equine Science Master's Program, uh, online, part-time, but um, I would recommend one class at a time because you'll just immerse yourself totally 
into that course. And that's the thing, because I think you think you know so much about a topic and there's so much reading you can do around it. There really is just so much literature out there. And before doing the program, I didn't realize, you know, I knew from a veterinary point of view when we look at small animals that we do something that's called clinical audits. And that's where we would sit down as a group within a veterinary practice and discuss, you know, what new research is out there to try and improve what we're doing. So we'll take a look at what we're currently doing in practice and if it works or not. And I just never thought to try and apply that to horses before this course and how we can. It doesn't have to be in a veterinary setting. You know, we can just take a look at what we're doing and try and fix that. Because definitely one of my motivations behind this podcast is the fact that I think a lot of what we do, not only in the equine industry, but I think just as human beings, is very habitual. So, you know, we've done it for years and it works or we think it works. We just don't know any other way to do it. So we're not wanting to reinvent the wheel as such. But that's not to say that what we're actually doing every day is best practice or there aren't better ways to improve. And I just think that's where research comes in. And that's the importance of being able to understand it at all levels. And when I look back to a couple of years ago, I definitely would not have been able to sit down, look at a research paper and try and figure out how that applied, you know, to my pony in the west of Ireland. I just don't think I would have been able to break down all the jargon. So I just think it's a great opportunity to take that information and try and put it into layman's terms and see, you know, how can we use it? How can we improve on what we're doing? Yeah. And don't you think that's why we we took the program is we want to serve the industry in a positive way. So by uh, advocating for little bitty uh, changes in that traditional horse keeping that really does not work so off the top of my head it's you know the um, absolute huge amounts of grain that sometimes are fed to these horses in two meals a day taking into consideration the health of them chewing uh, putting that saliva into their system to buffer the stomach acids and it all works together and movement they need movement they can't be confined in these little stalls 24 hours a day you know they need movement they need um trickle to be trickle fed a little bit at a time i mean all that you learn in the um you know with equine science and i think if we can just make one person reconsider what they're doing I think this podcast is all worth it definitely and I think that's an interesting one to use as an example because you know when you're looking at their digestive system and why it's important that you know we're not going against what's natural for them they need to be trickle fed they are natural grazers but at the same time that when we do change something like their food that has a knock on on so many other aspects. Like sometimes people break things down and they view behavior as one thing and digestion as one thing, but they're so closely linked. 
And, you know, feeding these horses huge amounts of grain when they're in a stable um, really does knock on to their behavior. And as well as you were saying, you know, them being um, kept inside all the time, like that's not what's natural to them. But I know sometimes that's what we have to do. It depends on, you know, what the horse is used for and what the setup is. And it can be made as enriched as possible. But I think we tend to go with bare basics from certainly from what I know and being able to look at it. Yeah. How can we improve this? Because we think it's fine. We, you know, we take them out, we ride them for however long a day to burn off their energy. But how can we kind of take it one step better? And, and isn't it amazing how these magnificent creatures survive us and our husbandry with them, you know? I mean, yeah. we get on their backs and they're prey animals. I mean, we put them in stalls and they're meant to move. I mean, sometimes the adaptations that they have gone through it's amazing that they survive, you know, so. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Even like in a veterinary um, setting, because that's really where I saw a whole different type of horse. You know, you've got an animal that's like 400, 500 kilos and they are terrified and you've got a lead rope and a head collar and it's a very humbling experience <laughs> because you think, you know, you've just grown up where, you know, the horse follows me, I lead it and it follows. And then you go into one of these settings where that is just not the case. <laughs> if that horse doesn't want to go somewhere, like you have to try and have that connection. And you'll see owners come and visit their horses. And I just always found this so incredible. You could have a horse that's, you know, in for an injury or in for some reason, and they've been in for a number of days and they start to become really depressed. And their owner comes to visit them and it just completely changes um, their temperament. And they just like almost light up when they see them. So that connection that people have, you know, across species is just incredible. It's so fascinating. Yeah, it is. It truly is. I, I'm talking about the um, somewhat dangerous side of it. One of the first horses I took to the paddock for saddling was in an enclosed saddling area. So you're trying to lead a juiced up thoroughbred to be saddled and you have to go into an enclosed paddock that has a ceiling. Wow. And she was a big girl and she reared up and I did have the stud chain on her wrapped in vet wrap, but she put her head through one of the ceiling tiles and came back down with the tile around her head. And so that was oh one gosh. of my first experiences. I don't know why I kept doing it. You know, I kept horses <laughs> up there, but we did get the ceiling tile from around her head. She did get out on the racetrack. Okay. But I mean, ideally looking back, if I would have had the opportunity to choose, I might have schooled her in that enclosed area many times before doing the real thing. But, you know, you have to do what you're supposed to do, what you're told to do. And uh, that was a, a big eye opener at how strong they can be. And I mean, when they want to go up in the air, you can't keep them from doing it. You just have no. to go 
work with them and try to keep calm, you know. So one thing is it really does teach you self-control. Definitely. And even I think it just teaches you a great mental control because you just learn early on that, you know, I don't know how, but whatever you are thinking, the horse knows it. And if you are not certain it's going to happen, then they're not going to do it. I mean, that's one thing, if anything, being in, in, I was always the racing industry, so I never got to see a docile pony. And that was my introduction into horses were thoroughbreds that were racing. And, oh, my God, I just loved it. You know, it was just something that, uh, you know, I'm a calm person anyway. So that helped. But uh, I think back and I thought, oh, my God, by the grace of God, I was not killed, you know. So, (laughs) yes, I think that is definitely like we can look back and laugh now. There's definitely been times where I've thought at the time I thought it was a bit of a sticky situation. And then I've looked back and been like, yeah, it was a little bit lethal. What went on there? Survive, you know, so. Yes. Anyway, well, um, I will mention as a a little teaser for people to join the next episode, uh, we're going to be evaluating a research paper that came out, um, and it's called The Role of Personality in Equestrian Sports and Investigation. So we will go through the different personalities and what they seem to thrive at. Uh, what discipline and with what horses. And uh, I think it'll be an interesting read. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Who was the author for that again, Nancy? That is um, Ingrid Wolfram, Jay Williams, and Dee Marlin. And Ingrid is a lecturer at the uh, University uh, of Edinburgh Equine Science Program. And uh, she lectures in the Equitation Science course. So I'm really she's written a lot of books as well on on horses and the topic of the horse and the rider. Yeah, The psychology. Um, She did a lecture a couple of weeks ago in the program that I was um, able to, you know, be a part of watching it with the classmates. And she did a phenomenal job. So uh, I'm excited to read this paper and uh, to be able to discuss it with you. Me too. Can't wait. Okay, guys. Well, I think with that, we will say welcome to our podcast. And uh, this was our intro. So if you like what you've heard, we'll be back next Friday and with a new episode. And every Friday after that, we will add an episode. So um, we hope you join in and I'm signing off and I'll give it to Kate. Yeah, just stay tuned. Hopefully we will have um, some guest speakers as well, maybe at some point. So definitely exciting things to come. We'll get some, um, maybe some of the students from the university if they want to be interviewed. And Kate's got some great veterinary nurses. I have a few event riders and maybe I'll even be able to pull a jockey in to give us a little of his viewpoint or her viewpoint. So uh, it'll it'll be fun. So uh, thanks so much. And you guys have a good weekend. Take care.